As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see this message. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner. This is Tuesday. And I'm here with Sister Denise Renner and Joel Renner. And I want to welcome both of you, Joel. Welcome to Home Group. Thank you. And I have to say, I really enjoyed last night's teaching, Mom, about you know how to control your words, your mouth, the power of what you say, not being a dripping faucet. I really enjoyed that. Thank Denise, you. Denise, it was really good last <clears throat> night. You. And this teaching is rich and it is funny. I mean, some of it is really funny. When I heard the whole series, which is called The School of Cinderella, I'm I just laughed. And in fact, for my regular TV program, I said, that needs to be on TV. That will set people free. It is so hilarious and true. You know, sometimes truth cuts, but the anointing is amazing because sometimes you can hear truth that normally would be painful and it makes you laugh and it sets you free. And that's what happens in this amazing 16-part series. There's only five days in a week, so this week we're only showing five of these in the programs. But friends, please order this. You will love it. It'd be good for you. It'd be good for your spouse. It'd be good for anybody that needs to work on their communication skills. It's not just for women. But right now we're offering it to you on our website. You can go there and order it now or give us a call and... There's a study guide that goes with it. And my friends, it is a significant study guide. Denise really worked hard on this and it's free. You can just go to render.org and download it free of charge right now. Joel? You know, Mom, I also know there's a lot of people who have testimonies who have been through this School of Cinderella class that you teach. And so many marriages have been saved, have been restored. Husbands and wives have come back together. Mom, it's really remarkable. You've been teaching this in our church in Moscow for over 10 years probably. To thousands of women. And there's a book that goes with it. And Denise, I want to ask you, this book is called Who Stole Cinderella? The Art of Happily Ever After. Why did you write this book? I wrote this book because as a little girl... I watched Cinderella over and over and over again. And of course, I got that image in my mind of when she comes down that staircase and there's Prince Charming there waiting for her with his hand out. And he sweeps her off of her feet and rescues her forever. And they live happily ever after. Well, I have to tell our home group something. <laughs> okay. It didn't quite happen that way with me and Denise. <laughs> Because I was afraid of marriage. Well, that would, that would make a difference. And I proposed to Denise three times. The first two times, I asked her if we could forget about it. <laughs> I said, Denise, you know what? Can, can we just kind of forget that I did that? Well, that wasn't a great way to win Denise. Then I came back around a second time, and I got scared again. And actually, I didn't even ask you to forget about it. I just disappeared and never, never showed up again. Yeah, you disappeared on that one. I just disappeared. Mm -hmm. took me a long time to come around because I understood marriage was such a serious responsibility. And then I became deathly ill. Yes. I was living in Arkansas. Something really weird happened. It's going to be in our new autobiography. I developed a tropical fever. Well, how do you develop a tropical fever when you're living in Fort Smith, Arkansas? I was so sick, I ended up in the hospital, and the way I got a tropical fever was Castro had emptied all the prisons in Cuba, 
put them on boats, sent them to the United States, and the United States thought they were people fleeing for freedom. They didn't realize that Castro, Castro emptied the prisons and sent all the prisoners to America. So hundreds and thousands of Cuban prisoners showed up, and a lot of them came to Fort Smith, Arkansas, and they were at the local military installation there, and I had gone there to minister to them, and I contracted this tropical fever by being with the Cubans. And I was laying in the hospital, so sick, so, so sick. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, would you like to know what opened the door for this sickness? I said, uh, yes. He said, it's the matter of Denise Robertson. I told you she was your wife. You proposed and broke it off. A couple years later, you proposed and disappeared. And you have opened the door to this affliction through your disobedience. Now, that doesn't mean every sickness is because of disobedience, but in that case it was. And you know what I did? I picked up the phone and called Denise. Right there in my hospital bed. And here we are, <laughs> Prince Charming and Cinderella. We finally made it. 40 years later. 40 years later. <laughs> but that's how we started. So, Denise, it wasn't you coming down the stairs. And it wasn't me putting the golden glass slipper on your foot. It took us a while to come around. So just telling you part of our time. No, the third, the third proposal was over the phone. <laughs> it was? It was over the phone. I was in Canada, and he calls, and he says, well, will you marry me? And I was so indecisive at that time that this is the big decision. And so I said, I have to pray about it. Well, of course, there's no roses. There's no candlelight dinner. There's nothing. It's just a telephone. And I practiced and I practiced saying, I would love to marry you. I'd love to marry you. I'd love to marry you. And so he called back three days later and he said, well, what do you think? And I said, just a minute. I would love to marry you. <laughs> he said, oh, good. I just told my mother. <laughs> 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 so oh. this was our proposal. This was my glass slipper and my coming down the staircase. But Denise, we have had happily ever after. Oh, so many happily ever afters. But we've had to work on our relationship just like everybody does. That's and Rick, just that's the way, why I that's wrote just this the way book. it goes. That's why I wrote this book. You wrote that book because we've had to work on our relationship? I wrote this book because I saw changes that I needed to make into my life. Okay. Because, you know, I'm 100% of this marriage, and you're 100% also. Absolutely. So I need to work on my 100%. And I've had to work on my part. And so I want to talk about the mouth some more. Okay, let's do. All right. Well, the mouth is very important in a successful marriage. And the Bible says a lot to women about the mouth. And... Uh, yesterday in our last home group, we talked about that the mouth, uh, the things a woman says, if she's corrective or, or she's fault finding or she's complaining, that it's better for her husband to be on the roof. That's in the Bible. That's in Proverbs. Honey, can I ask a question one more time? Because I don't want women to be afraid to say something to their husbands if they need to say something. But I don't think that's what you're, that's not what you're telling us. No, I'm not telling you that at all. And in fact, we, it's a marriage. You've got to be open with one another. You have to say to your spouse, not in a blaming way, because when you start blaming and in you accusing, 
then people put up walls. That's normal. But if you say, I know you love me and I know you'd never want to do this. But when you said that and you said it this way, it made me feel this way. And and that you know what that is? That's not complaining. That's getting to know one another. That's working on your communication. And a lot of marriages break down because there's no communication. But I'm not really talking about that, Rick, because I'm talking about the tendency that a lot of women have to try to control or fault find with their husband. Okay. Um, so we want to know how to control our mouth. Um, so in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28, it says, it says the heart of the righteous. Well, that's you. If you're born again, you're as righteous as you can get. Oh, I love this Bible verse. Because of the blood of Jesus studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. Well, then the heart of the righteous, that's you and me. That's anyone who has taken Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And we've been washed by his blood and, and he's in us and we're in him. I mean, we're righteous. But the righteous, it says, studies, studies how to answer. Well, let's, let's get really practical. So let's say that you're, you're, maybe you're starting to get in an argument with your spouse. And things are starting to get a little heated. And maybe you can feel that hot tamale sauce kind of rising up and you just your emotions and things are getting pretty hot. Well, the righteous studies how to answer. And and so you've got to study how to answer. Well, does that mean study how to answer before I get in the argument? No, it means study how to answer when you're in the argument. Okay, how do you do that? You take yourself out of the argument. You literally say, you know, you've got to excuse me because I need to, I need to be quiet for a minute. I, I, I don't know what else to say. That is such a wise thing to do. Can I throw in something that's really helped me over the years? <laughs> the Bible tells us in Peter, Peter was speaking about marriage. And he said that husbands and wives are to love each other as brethren. Well, you know what? I love Denise as my wife. But Denise was my sister before she was my wife. And one of these days when we go to heaven, she'll be my sister. That's the most eternal status that Denise and I have. We are brothers and sisters. Well, if I'm at church and I have a disagreement with a sister in the Lord, I'm not going to berate them and bash them and be rude and cruel to them. I might tell them what I feel, but I'll do it very respectfully because I respect them as my sister. So if Denise and I ever get into a moment of conflict, she's telling you what she does. She kind of withdraws and studies how to answer. And I mentally say to myself, wait a minute, you're speaking to your sister. She is a sister in Christ. She's not just your wife, she's your sister. And she deserves that you speak to her 
respectfully as a sister in the Lord. That always, I'm just telling you, that helps me as a man. Okay. Well, Rick, you don't know this, what I do, but many times I have gone to the bathroom or, you know, another room. And uh, now sometimes I say, Holy Spirit, help me. Or count to 10. Because, you know, motions, motions can be fooling. And you can think, oh, this is so horrible. When it's going to change in in 10 minutes. So we don't want to just totally be controlled by our emotions. And sometimes I, I leave whatever's being said because I want to gain control of myself. You're responsible for yourself. I go to the bathroom. I look in the mirror and I smile because, you know, smiling, it has a, a, it has a physical effect. It has a psychological effect on you. I smile in the mirror and I start practicing what it is that I am going to say. You might say, well, that sounds silly. No, it's not silly at all. You try it because it's you, you taking responsibility for your words, you taking responsibility of what could be very hurtful to him. Or if, if it, this heated argument goes on and then he says something that's very hurtful and damaging to you. No, it's wisdom to take yourself out of the argument and take control over yourself. If you have to smile in the mirror or if you just have to say, Holy Spirit, you've got to help me right now. Can I throw in something here? Well, just a minute. Okay. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is so kind and he's so wonderful. When you say, Holy Spirit, help me. He'll help you right then. He will come to your rescue to help you control your emotions and to be able to think soundly. Also, sometimes when you withdraw like that, because I do too, we, we've, we've both learned to do the same thing. Because we made a joint decision decades ago, that a spirit of strife would not work between us or in our family. And sometimes when you go to the bathroom and smile in the mirror, or you just withdraw, or you just say, you know what, it's better to take a pause, you really get yourself enough time to realize this is a spiritual problem. There's something spiritual happening here. This is not, a, this is not normal. There's a spirit of strife that's trying to operate between us. And sometimes a pause, mm -hmm helps you realize that this problem is not with each other. This is just something spiritual that's trying to get between you. And you can take authority over it, and it goes. It just goes. And if you will make a decision that you're not going to have strife, we call it the no-strife policy. Started in our marriage. We have it in our church. We have it in our ministry. It's just the way we are. We just refuse strife. And if you will make that decision, that will also help you. That if you have a no-strife policy, you might need to do, like Denise just suggested, take a break, walk away, go get by yourself, and take control. Okay. And I want to tell you how powerful this is. The Word of God says, and Joel, I want to hear what you're thinking. The Word of God says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, it's, now this is God's opinion about what we're talking about. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So when you and I 
when we decide to take control and we say, you know what? That person is precious to me. I'm committed to that person for the rest of my life. That is the father of my children. That is the man I supported. That's the woman I committed myself to. I am going to take control of what's coming out of my mouth and what's coming out of my emotions. And you take control. The Bible says you're better than the mighty and even stronger than that. You are more mighty and more powerful than a general who takes a city. And, you know, Joel, we all respect generals. They are so amazing. We, they're do our honor that takes cities. But according to God, according to his word, when we take control of ourselves, in God's eyes, we're more powerful than the one who takes the city. Wow. Well, Mom, I know that in, in, in the program today, the, the topic is who's in control, me or my mouth? And I think that a lot of times, I, I, don't, I don't know of any marriage who's been destroyed by one word. Usually it's by saying negative thoughts, negative things, uh, being negative to your spouse over and over and over, decades and year after year after year. It might, you know, if you stop being negative, it might take some time for that to change and turn around in your, in your marriage. And it might take a lot of good things to say before things start changing. And that takes time and it takes patience. And that's all I have to add. Well, thank you. And, I, you know, it's important if you realize, like I've had so many ladies go through these classes and actually divorces have been stopped. I just got a letter last week that a couple who was thinking about talking about divorce all the time now they're not talking about divorce and they're actually appreciating one another because she decided to do something about her mouth. But not only did she decide to do something about her mouth, she apologized. Honey, can I make an observation about that verse, about he that takes the city? Mm -hmm. Last week I was, I was just meditating on that verse and I began to reflect on how many powerful, powerful men that have built companies and conquered nations and done all these mighty things fail in their marriages one after another after another. They can take a city, they can conquer all this territory, but they fail in their personal relationships because of the very thing that you're talking about. Controlling your mouth, controlling your thoughts on an interpersonal relationship. I'm telling you, if you can get the victory in your marriage, you're a strong person. That's a strong person. I really appreciate this teaching. Oh, thank you, Rick. Well, um, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, it says that <clears throat> a soft answer turns away wrath. Well, you know, that is so opposite of what the world thinks or teaches. You need to stand up for yourself. You need to tell them what you think. No. What's more powerful is a soft answer. I don't mean that you're shy or that you're just so meek and then you speak softly. But a soft answer comes from something in your character. And as Joel's been saying, because Joel, you said that it's a decision to do it over and over and over and over again. And when we do it over and over and over again, something's happening in our character. 
And what's happening in our character is that it's becoming softer on the inside, which is powerful. Powerful. We just read it in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. It's more powerful than one who can take a city. A soft answer comes from a place of peace. A soft answer comes from a place of there's no anxiety there. And ladies, the Bible says in First Peter chapter 3 that it's a meek and quiet spirit that is so beautiful in the sight of God. Well, that doesn't come overnight. But like Joel was saying, that comes by decision, by decision, by decision, by decision. I'm not going to rail at that man. I'm not going to criticize him. I'm not going to put him down. I'm going to look at myself. And I'm going to say, God, how can I change? And when we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, then he has permission to shine that light on us. And where we're kind of hard on the inside, maybe we've become hard because somebody hurt us. Maybe we were hard because our, our spouse hurt us. But we submit it to God. It becomes softer. And it becomes a place where God can work. And through that softness comes power. And the Bible says a soft answer, so powerful, it turns away wrath. You know that scripture you quoted, a meek and quiet spirit? People get confused about that because they don't know what meekness is and they don't know what it needs to be quiet. But it's really talking about a self-controlled person. Mm -hmm. And when a woman or a man, it applies to both, when they can't control themselves and they just vent and they just spew and splatter all their words and they're just like an explosion of emotions, it's destructive. But when you learn to control yourself, what to say, how much to say, how much not to say, you become like a powerful instrument. It's powerful. It's powerful. It's powerful. And it really brings change into relationships. And isn't that amazing, Rick, that it says it turns away wrath? It does. It turns away wrath. But wrath just, is loud. But if you just explode, it spurs wrath. It makes wrath come. But it does. It, tur it turns away it wrath. It turns it away. It does. It actually has a rebuking power. It does. But it does it in a soft and gentle way. Kindness is a rebuke mm. sometimes. Oh, that scripture in Proverbs, I don't know where it is, but it says that kindness breaks the bone. Kindness is so powerful. Look at Jesus, Denise. Oh, gosh. All those religious people slapping him, spitting on him, abusing him. And the Bible says he didn't open his mouth. Think how powerful he was in their presence. It's amazing. Even in front of Pilate, Jesus' self-control was so strong it, it affected Pilate. Pilate did not want to prosecute him. Something in Jesus' behavior rebuked Pilate. It's it, pretty powerful. It was a soft answer. A soft answer. It turned away wrath. And I just want to say to you, home group, your soft answer is more powerful than wrath. I don't care who's yelling in your face. Your soft answer can actually has the rebuking power of wrath. Mm, it's really powerful, Denise. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I, 
of course, I've worked on myself, Rick, and and I and I want marriages to succeed. There's there's too many divorces, and and honestly, I hear of people who think about getting divorced after one year, or after three years. They don't even know each other. They don't yet. even know each other. Five years, and it's because it's because. The truth is, even if you're Christians, both of you are Christians, you're called to be together, share life together. You still come from this situation, that situation. You still have broken places on the inside. And you bring those two broken people, wonderful people, they love each other, but you bring them together. And those broken edges, they begin to affect one another. And that's why we need the word of God so bad. And we need wisdom about our mouth so that, you know, we can take part, our part in building our marriage. Well, honey, we're out of time, but this has really been good tonight. I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. Thank you for leading us this week. Joel, hasn't this been good? It's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, And remember to go online and order the whole series, School of Cinderella and Who Stole Cinderella is the book. And the download is free, so go get yours at renner.org. And if you want to take part in School of Cinderella, just go to my Facebook page, and there's a blue button up there, and it says Visit Group. What is your Facebook page called? Denise Renner. Denise Renner. All right, we're out of time. we got to go. Thank you for being with us. We'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please like, subscribe, and comment so more people can see it.